0: Jump into the word with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, we're going to open up to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 5. Um, you're all very familiar with this passage, at least I hope you are, because we talk about it a lot. Um, we've been talking a little bit about devotion. Last week, uh, Amber and I kind of tag teamed a little bit and, uh, and talked about devotion, just, just kind of had an open dialogue about what devotion looks like, how to approach devotion with the revelation of beloved identity with the revelation that before you ever step into the secret place, before you ever crack open your Bible, you're already loved uh, by the Father in a way that you can't even imagine. And so that, that should renew our, our perspective of what devotion looks like, that we're not going to devotion to earn favor. We're going to devotion because we are his beloved and that he is our beloved. And that, and that, that um, just little change in our thought process towards devotion will revolutionize our whole prayer life. Because we're not going to earn favor. We we are already highly favored. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. All right. So let's jump into this verse in Matthew 6. We're going to talk again about devotion, but I want to talk to you this morning about the open reward of devotion. What is the open reward of devotion? So uh, Jesus is here talking to the disciples um, in this passage, and, uh, and this is what he says here. Matthew 6, verse 5, it says, And when you pray... You shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. The next verse. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Again, but you, when you pray, what does it say? Go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father, who is where? In the secret place. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. I want to point out to you in these two verses that our life with the Lord, that our relationship with the Lord should have two facets to it. It should be public, and it should be private. It should be public, for everyone to know that that you are a believer, that you are a Christ follower, that everyone in the world should know who it is that you have your allegiance to. Where's she at? And your allegiance to? Um, that's a little inside thing. Maybe you'll know later. But <laughs> sorry, I got sidetracked in my own brain there. But everyone should know who you're following. But then there should also be this other part of your Christian walk that is behind the closed door that nobody else sees, that you go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who dwells in the secret place, that there should be two parts of your Christianity, one that is public and one that is private. And here's the deal. If you have a public relationship with the Lord without a private relationship with the Lord, what does the Bible call you? A hypocrite. That if you have a public relationship but no private relationship, which is what the what the previous verse was telling us, that the Pharisees they love to pray in the open square for all to see. They love. To in in other verses uh, or other parts of this chapter, it talks about how they love to put on sackcloth and ashes when they're fasting, so that the world knows how holy they are. And if you have a public relationship with the Father without a private one, the Bible says that you're actually a hypocrite, which is the word that is it's it's a it's actually a drama word, which means that you're wearing a mask that you're, you're one person on the stage and you're another person off the stage, that you're a completely different person, that you're a hypocrite, that you're a pretender, that you're an actor, that you're putting on a show so other people think that you're a holy, righteous person when in reality, there's actually no depth to your relationship. If you're doing it for other people to see it and then you're not doing it out of love, then the Bible says that you're actually acting as a hypocrite. You may have good intentions, you may actually be even interested in the things of God. You may be an incredibly nice, good person, but if your relationship with the Lord is only public and not private, then you're acting in the place of a hypocrite. I've got good news this morning, I promise, but we're gonna start off a little heavy. You may be a good person, you may have good intentions, and you may, again, you may even be genuinely interested in the things of God. I know people who come to church who love to hear preaching, but there's no depth to their relationship because it's all just surfacy. It's all just Sunday morning relationship. It's all just the, the outward public appearance. But behind closed doors, there's nothing happening. In your own private time with the Lord, there's no correspondence between you and the Father. There's no, uh, no even getting into the Word. There's, there's nothing besides just the public view. And, and even if you have good intentions and you actually are interested in things of God, without that private relationship, you're acting in the place of a hypocrite. Amen? There's a good way to judge whether or not you're in that place. And, and the, the way that I, I tend to view or to kind of just assess myself is, is I look at my relationship with the Father and I think if this was what my marriage looked like, would I be in a healthy, strong marriage? So, so you know, a healthy, strong marriage has two, has two lives to it, right? It has two versions of it. There's the public version and then there's the private version. There's things that you, that the, the public sees, and there's things that, the, that, that that happen behind closed doors. You know, Amber and I, I'm gonna get personal now. Here we go. Amber and I have our public disagreements where, I don't know, babe, what do you think? I don't know, what do you think? You know, we'll talk about it, right? And it's gentle, that's what everybody sees. Then we have our private disagreements, right? Where she's throwing pots and pans at me and <laughs> kicking me out of the house. No, I'm just kidding. That, that doesn't, that's only happened once. It's, <laughs> I'm kidding no but but there's there's a difference between how things are done in public and how things are done in private there's a, there's an intimacy evolved there's there's a public uh, display of affection and then there's private displays of affection we hold hands longer when we're in private together right than we do when we're in public. No, but, but there's a difference in how we act when we're together in public and when we're together in private. And there, there's this two-fold relationship. There's, there's inside jokes that we have that nobody else understands. There's, there's that intimacy, um, that there's the private relationship and then there's the public relationship where everybody sees. And, and that's the ingredients for a strong, healthy, vibrant marriage is that you have a private relationship with one another, where it's just you two and nobody else, amen. But then there's also what I call a uh, a marriage for political gain, where you have and you we've you've seen it before, um, where the relationship. There's not a, there, when you're out in public and you're in front of everybody, you're happy, you're doing well, you're doing good. But behind closed doors, when you walk into the house, you go into opposite rooms and have no communication with each other. How many of you have seen the movie Dave, the old movie Dave? Yeah. Man, you all need to watch more movies. You know, yeah. The movie Dave, he's the president of the United States. I won't go into all the details of what the movie's about because I failed at that last time I tried to do that. But he's the president of the United States and there's a, a scene where him and his wife are out greeting people and they're, they're holding hands and they're kissing each other in and, and the public eye. But as soon as they walk through the doors of the White House, she goes down one hall, he goes down another hall. And it's all just a big publicity stunt to earn favor with the people that are seeing it in public. And, and some people's relationship with the Lord is exactly like that, that out in the public, you love the Lord, you're worshiping God, you're doing all the right things. But behind closed doors, he goes in one room and you go in another room. And it's, it's this it's a political gain relationship and there's no private life. There's no intimacy behind closed doors and again, the Bible says that if you're leading that type of devotion, if you're leading that type of Christianity, then you're not leading the Christianity of the Bible. You're leading the Christianity of a hypocrite. That there has to be this twofold thing. That a genuine relationship, a genuine relationship with the Lord, is birth not out of the public, not within the public view, but within the private view of the secret place. Amen. Amen. So that's what a devotion life should look like. It should be twofold. It should be public and it should be private. And if you have the pri- public life without the private life, then you're leading a life of hypocrisy. So let's, let's begin to move on. Here, here's the good news. When, when you go into devotion, let me, let me make this statement before we talk about the reward. That just like I talked about last week, our motivation for devotion is, is not to earn favor, it's not to earn the reward that I'm gonna talk about here in a moment. Our motivation for devotion is simply what it says there in Matthew 6, 6, that we go to the secret place simply because that's where he is. That our motivation for devotion is not to earn a reward and it's not to gain favor. Our motivation for devotion is to be with the Father and, and to lavish our love upon him and for him to lavish his love upon us. And that is the purpose of devotion. But here is the good news and what I want to talk with you about this morning. That the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse, says, verse 6, it says that he is a rewarder for those who, Who diligently seek him. That even though our motivation isn't the reward, the good father that we have is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That the Bible says in Matthew again, in Matthew 6 6, it says that he rewards us openly. That our relationship with him in private actually has an open public reward to it. So the question then is what is the reward? What is the open reward for those who diligently seek him? What is the thing that the Father rewards us with when we set our hearts and our gaze upon him with all of our hearts? What is it that he rewards us with? I believe, honestly, I believe that there could be several answers to this question. And when I began studying it and when I began looking through the scripture, trying to understand what he means by open reward, I found several things that it could be. One thing it could be and one thing that it is, I, I shouldn't say could be, that, this is one of the rewards, is that that sin no longer entices us. That when we spend quality, good, long time in the, in the secret place that sin actually becomes less attractive to us. And let me prove it to you in the Bible. In 1 John chapter 3, I believe, 1 John chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, it says, And you know without a doubt that Jesus was revealed to, revealed to eradicate sins, and there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in union with him, listen, anyone who continues to live in union with him will what? will not sin, that when we are in union with the Father, the Bible says that not, that not only is sin not enticing, the Bible says that we will not sin. I don't know if you've ever heard it before, but I remember hearing it growing up all the time and thinking, I sin every day. I'm a, I'm a sinner, and that's just the way that it is, but thank God for grace. Well, the Bible says here that we do not have to sin every day. That sin, that we, the, it says in Romans 6 that, that our sin nature has actually died with him. And that the Bible says that when we spend time with the Father and when we, when we are in his presence, it says that we will not sin. That we can actually live holy as he's called us to live holy. And one of the ways to do that is we spend quality time in the presence of the Lord. And it goes on and says, and you know without a doubt, uh, go ahead and go to the next verse there in six. In verse six there. It says, but the one who continues sinning hasn't seen him with discernment or known him by intimate experience. So there again, if, it's, if the one who continues sinning sins because they haven't known him by intimate experience, then it, then it, it is, uh, then the opposite is true as well. That those who seek him by intimate experience do not go on sinning. And, and I've seen this even in, within my own life. When my devotion life is strong and when I'm spending good quality times with the Lord, man, sin isn't even enticing to me. The things that I struggle with, the things that, that try to pull me away from the Father, man, they don't even, they're not even alluring at all when I'm in the presence of the Lord. And, and it's so tr- been so true in my life that if I'm having good quality time with the Father, that sin isn't even enticing to me. So one of the open rewards is that sin becomes non-enticing and that we can actually be without sin when we're spending quality time with the Father. One of the books that I told you about last week that I did a really bad job apparently of describing to you because I had a lot of people asking me, what was the name of that book again? Who, who wrote it? Because I don't think I said any of those details. But the book Secrets of the Secret Place by Bob Sorge, um, another little plug there for him. He describes this, I, this experience as radiation therapy. He calls it radiation therapy, that, that God is to sin like, like radiation is to cancer. That when we spend time with the Father, it actually kills that, that longing for sin, just like radiation kills the cancer cells that, that would try to harm your body. That it's like radiation therapy. So one, again, one of the open secrets, one of the open rewards is that that sin has lo- or loses its grip on us because we be- when we become fascinated with spending time with the presence of the Lord, amen? Another open reward is found in Philippians 4, chapter 6. Philippians 4, chapter 6, it says, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing, but be saturated in prayer throughout each day, okay? That's the key verse there. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled request before God with overflowing gratitude. So what, then the verse goes on to tell us what the benefit of that is. That when you saturate yourself in prayer uh, throughout each day, it says, tell him every detail of your life. Then verse, verse seven says, then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. So it says when we saturate ourselves in prayer throughout our entire day, when we make a conscious effort to spend intimate time with the Father, it says then the peace that surpasses all understanding will be with you and through you through Jesus Christ. Notice what it it doesn't say here. It doesn't say you'll never have an issue that's hard to deal with. If that was the case, then there'd be no need for a peace that passes understanding, right? Because your life would already be peaceful. I don't know where we get the idea that that just because we're in Christ, it means that all tribulation or or trials of the world will be gone. Think about when you read the Bible, all 12 or 11 of the 12 disciples were martyred. And the 12th one was burned in oil or boiled in oil and then left on an abandoned island by himself. And so this idea that life is without tribulation isn't true, but what it does say here is that when we spend quality time with the Father, that peace that surpasses all understanding, when it doesn't make sense for you to have peace, there's there's an unrelenting peace that is in your life and on your life when we saturate ourselves with the presence of the Lord. When we spend good quality time in the presence of the Lord, there's a peace that passes all understanding. And there's many of you in this room who know exactly what I'm talking about. That you've been in times that have been extremely difficult, but there was a piece there that didn't make sense. There's a piece there that, that even other people noticed was there and didn't understand it. And right now I'm, I'm thinking even outside in, in the bigger spotlight of, of Toby Mac and, and what's happened with his family. Recently his son has passed away. And, uh, and his son, I think it was maybe 20, 21 years old, and his oldest son passed away. And, and he's writing these posts on Facebook talking about just how at peace their family is in the middle of this tragedy. And, and it's so refreshing to see somebody who's in such a, in a large spotlight just showing what it looks like for a Christian to grieve. That there's obviously hurt, there's obviously pain, but there's also this peace of knowing the Father, knowing the Comforter, that passes all the understanding of the world. And so there's when we spend quality time with the Lord, there's this open, there's this open reward that is a peace that passes all understanding, amen? Are you all with me this morning? Amen. There's another one here, Chad, I didn't put in my notes, um, or I didn't put up there on the board, but it's one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible, is Psalms 91, and it says that those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And then it says, I will say of the Lord, he is my strength and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. And it goes on later in the chapter and say that a thousand shall fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it will not come near my dwelling. All of that is a byproduct of what the first verse says, that those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High, not those who visit once a month, not those who visit once a week, but those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High actually abide under the shadow of the Almighty, which means he's hovering over you, which means that you're abiding in him, and then again, that a 1,000 may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near your dwelling, that when we abide in the secret place of the Lord, there's actually a protection around us. There's actually a protection around us from the enemy, that he can't touch us because we're abiding in the presence of the Lord. Amen? That's just another open reward from being in the presence of the Lord. So all of these are just different different things that I I saw as I was studying, and I believe that there's countless other open rewards. There's countless other benefits from being intimate with the Father and having that devotion, that continual devotion with the Lord. But the one I want to focus on with you this morning is this one here. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Excuse me. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says this, we can all draw close to him. We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The open reward I want to focus on with you this morning is this, that when we are in the presence of the Lord, spending quality time with him, that the Bible says that just like a mirror, we begin to reflect our Savior we begin to look like Jesus himself. That when we spend time with the Lord, there's that word there, transfiguration, is the Greek word metamorph- metamorpho, which is our English word, where we get the English word metamorphosis, that we actually go through a change and that we transform into the very image of God himself. That when we spend time with the Lord, we actually begin to look like the Lord. I don't know about you, but have you ever experienced um, spending so much time with somebody that you begin to take on their mannerisms? You begin to take on their, their personality maybe even a little bit. We lived in Alabama for two years. We grew up here our entire lives. I lived in Kokomo. Amber lived in Tipton. We lived in Alabama for two years, and those two years we come back home And Amber goes from being a good farm Indiana girl accent to having the Southern Belle accent just within the two years that we lived there. I wasn't as easily influenced as she is. I I must have a stronger brand. The only word that I took on was y'all. And that's just because it's such an easy, it's such a a good phrase to just have in your book. You know, it's just a lot easier than saying you all. It's just y'all, you know. But other than that, I didn't really take on an accent. But Amber, I mean, we literally came back uh, to Indiana And almost everywhere we went was, oh, I love your accent. Where are you from? I'm from Tipton, Indiana. Like, no, you've got to be from the south. No, I'm, I'm from Tipton, Indiana. But she just developed this accent from spending two years in Alabama with all the other Southern Bells that were our friends. So, so you know, it's, it's, if you spend time somewhere, you begin taking on their, their mannerisms, their, their attributes. Um, I, I don't think in my entire life... Um, on the phone, I ever had said the phrase, um, I see, I don't even remember what it is right now. Sorry. Oh, there it is. I, I never called someone on the phone and asked someone, um, I, oh man, I lost it. Anyways, <laughs> see, I don't even remember it, but, uh, well, there's another a failure there. But anyways, I'm, what I'm referring to is, is being with Pastor Ron and Jackie. Where are they at this? I don't see where you're sitting there. There you are. Being with Pastor Ron and Jackie, every, every time I get a phone call, it's always, hey, what you up to? Hey, what you up? Oh, that's what it is. Are you up and at it? Are you up and at it this morning? I've never said that in my entire life. I've never called somebody and said, hey, you up and at it? But spending time with Ron and Jackie, I find myself now on the phone going, hey, you up and at it this morning? Never said that in my entire life, but after spending time with Pastor Ron, and it's just like when you spend time with people, you begin to inherit their qualities and inherit their mannerisms and just the different things. And it's the same thing as what it's saying here with the Father, that when we spend quality time with the Lord, quality time with the Father, that we begin to inherit his mannerisms. We begin to inherit what he looks like. We begin uh, looking more and more like Jesus. Amen. We can see this in Acts chapter 4. Go ahead and flip there, Acts chapter 4. Just to give you a little context of what's happening here, this is after, that, after um, Peter and John healed the man at the gate called Beautiful. And so they just got done going through that and healed the man at the gate called Beautiful. They just preached this message to, I think it was like 3,000 people were getting saved, and the Sadducees were mad about it, of course, because that's what they do in the Bible. They just get mad. And so the Sadducees were mad about it and they pull, they arrest Peter and John and pull them into the synagogue, synagogue and begin questioning them. And this is what the council says after spending some time with Peter and John. It says the council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John, especially when they discovered that they were just ordinary men who had never had religious training. So they realized two things about these guys. They realized, first off, that these men were uneducated, that they didn't have any formal education within the synagogue um, in, in training with the, with the role, or with the word. But then it says, then they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. That the two things they realize is that they were uneducated, but they also begin to realize hey, this guy, these guys look familiar. These guys look like somebody else who was pulling people up from from being lame or pulling people, raising people up, or healing people. This people or these two guys look like somebody else, and they begin to realize that just by spending time with Jesus, they began looking and acting like Jesus. They to to, I think there's a verse 14 there. Go to verse 14. It says, standing there with them was the healed man, and there was nothing further they could say. I love that verse because they can argue all day long. Religion, they can argue all day long about the law, but they could not argue the fact that the man was lame, and now he wasn't. They couldn't argue the fact that the man was lame and now he wasn't. It says there's nothing further they can say that when we spend good quality time with the Father, we begin acting like Jesus. He begins rubbing off on, rubbing off on us and we begin looking like him, amen? This, this reminds me when I was studying of a dream that I had. It's been a couple years ago now. Um, but I had this dream that as soon as I woke up from the dream, you, you know those those dreams that you have that you know were from the Lord, like there's no question. You have some dreams that you know are obviously not from the Lord, and then you have some that you know who that were. I've, I've only had, in my lifetime, maybe a handful of dreams that I knew for sure were from the Lord. The other dreams were are usually me, like being a Navy SEAL or something cool like that, but this... <laughs> And those, I guess, aren't from the Lord, unless the Lord's telling me I should have been a Navy SEAL. I don't know. But, um, but this one I know for sure was from the Lord. And, and what happened in this dream was this. We, Amber and I um, went to visit the ramp in Hamilton where Amber and I went to ministry school. And we walked into the sanctuary in this dream. We walked into the sanctuary, and um, nothing formal was going on. There was a lot of people there. And they were all just kind of messing around and, and, and kind of joking around, having fun. And it was just real lighthearted, real, uh, real lighthearted atmosphere. Nothing serious going on. There was no service or anything. Everybody was just kind of messing around, having fun. And so we get there. We walk into the room. And when we walk in, we see Samuel Bentley, who, uh, another plug once again, since I did a bad job last time, wrote this book, Simple Devotion. Um, it's by Michael Wood and Samuel Bentley. Uh, we walked in and we saw Samuel Bentley standing there. And so we walk up to Sam and we, we say hi to him and, and greet him. And in the dream, I go in to just give him a hug, just, just to say hi. You know, we haven't hadn't seen each other in a while, we're there visiting. So I went in to give him a hug just to say hi. And in the dream, when I hugged him, all of a sudden, as soon as I hugged him, I felt this, I had this encounter with the love of God. And it was this overwhelming just encounter with Jesus when I, when I just simply hugged him. And I remember just feeling this, this weight of the presence of the, of the Lord just fall on my shoulders in this dream. And, and I began just crying in, uh, in, in the dream. And, and if you know me, I don't really cry for much of anything except for when I'm in the presence of the Lord. I don't even cry at the notebook. I just cry only when I'm in the presence of the Lord normally. Um, and so so I had that experience, and, and then in the dream, I'm I'm giving him a hug like that. I'm experiencing the Lord, and and I and I wake up, and and um, I wake up, and, and in the, in my room in the bedroom, I felt that same tangible presence. Like I woke up to the the very presence of God in the room, just heavy. And I woke up, and I was I was I was crying. I woke up crying in this dream because of the presence of the Lord, the weight of his love was so strong in the dream. And like I said, as soon as I woke up, I knew exactly what the Lord was saying. I knew exactly what he was saying. Because to me, Sam is is a friend, but more than that, Sam to me represents a life of devotion. Not only because he wrote this book, Simple Devotion, but also because while we were there at the ramp, I remember about Sam that Sam had this daily routine with the Father where every morning he woke up, he had a set time where he would go and spend time with the Lord every morning. And, I, and, and when we were there, I remember him telling us that he hadn't missed a morning in, I don't remember, several years where he has spent quality time with the Lord every morning in devotion. And what the Lord was saying to me was, was that in devotion, you can actually carry the anointing of the Holy Spirit wherever you go. That the open reward that I'm talking about in Matthew chapter six, verse six, is that you walk in the same anointing that Jesus walked in. That you don't have to be up on a stage preaching a message. You don't have to be serving your community. You can just be about your daily business and somebody can encounter the Lord because you are in the room and because you radiate the presence of Jesus. And that the open reward, you know, before when I'd read that verse, my mind immediately went to the open reward is walking in a deeper anointing on the stage or becoming a better speaker. Because, you know, for me, that's that's a big deal. I wanna be the best speaker I can be. So to me, the open reward was becoming better at what I do. And when I had that dream, the Lord erased all of that. And said, it's not about the microphone, it's not about the stage, it's about le- leading an everyday life so enthralled in the presence of the Lord and so exposed to the presence of the Lord that when you are out in public, other people can feel the presence of the Lord coming off of you. Have, have you ever been around somebody like that? Where you, you, they walk into the room and the entire atmosphere just changes? that they don't have to say a single word, they don't have to do anything special, they just walk into the room and the entire atmosphere just completely changes. I wanna tell you that's because that person is in quality, spending quality time with the Lord, that, has, that their devotion life is, is real, it's raw, that it's consistent and that, it, and that it's never ceasing. That when we spend good quality time with the Father, we actually begin to radiate the presence of the Father. Amen? Doesn't that make you want to go into the secret place? That we can begin to radiate the presence of the Lord, that we can begin to look just like Jesus did. That when we spend quality time with Him, that, that it's like a mirror, that we begin looking into a mirror and we begin reflecting the very image of Christ Himself. Amen? Amen. So, I'll end end with this statement. We go to the secret place. When we go to the secret place with the right motive, which is to be with him, then we understand that there is an open reward when our motivation is right. That when our motivation is to go in to seek him, that he rewards us openly. And one of those rewards is we actually take on the metamorphosis and we begin looking and acting just like Jesus did. Amen? If everybody... Go ahead and just stand with me. I want to just say a prayer over you this morning. Father, I just pray over every single person in this room and who might be listening to this later. Father, I pray that you would develop in us a hunger for the secret place. God, that it would not be a burden to us, that it would not be stale to us, but Lord, it would be a deep longing inside of each and every one of us. God, it's in your presence that we are changed, Father. It's in your presence that things happen in our lives. So, Father, as we begin to rearrange our lives to make room for spending time with you, Father, God, I pray that you would rain down the open reward to us. God, as we spend time in the secret place, God, that we would begin to be transformed into your likeness. God, that sin would not entice us that we can walk in total holiness, that peace that passes all understanding would be on us. And Lord, most of all, that we would begin to reflect the very image of Christ himself. God, that miracles would begin to follow us because that we've simply spent time in your presence. Father, that, that just us walking into the room, Lord, it's nothing special about us. God, it's what's special about spending time with you. God, that when we spend time with you, Lord, that it would radiate off of us, Father. God, the, the Bible talks about there being a fragrance that emits from those who are in the Lord. God, let there be a fragrance that comes off of us. Lord, that people can sense and people can, can, um, can, can sense when we're around them, Father. God, that they would feel the overwhelming uh, power of your love, God. That when we walk into the room, that they would have an encounter with the God who loves them more than they could ever imagine. Father, I, again, just once again pray for each and every person to have a hunger for the secret place. And as we begin to make room for that, Lord, that you would answer, God, answer our, our obedience Lord with with just an overwhelming encounter in your presence. God, we love you so much and I thank you again, Lord, that you are a good father who rewards us openly. And we love you so much, Lord, in Jesus' name.